0: Some time ago, and maybe it's still going on, but there was a campaign, I think, for some sports outfit, shoes, or something like that. No fear. I can't even remember who it was that did it, but someone had done that over there. And, of course, they did it on an earthly, humanly concept. But God sure wants us to walk in such a way as to have no fear. And we're going to be looking at that. We picked up First John before, as we were looking at the spirit of truth and the spirit of error and testing the spirits. Verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And we covered these verses as we were looking at that aspect of it, spirit of truth and the spirit of error, that we would know, be able to tell the right from the wrong in the spirit realm. We want to pick up where we left off there in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, we're going to know God through love. If we're going to get to know who God is, we're going to get to know God this way. In verse 8, He says, He who does not love does not know God. Now, the word that it's used here for know is a very familiar word for you, gnosko, which means to know by experience. That by walking in love, we get to know God by on an experiential level. Not on a textbook level. Not on an absolute knowledge level. But on an experiential level. To get to know who God is. How God responds. What God thinks. Things along that line. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Now, we've retranslated that for you before. Just put it in your outline again for you. God as to His nature. The nature of God is love. God as to His nature is love. So, love is the nature of God. By us walking in love, we walk in the nature of God. Thereby, if that be true, what nature are we walking in when we do not walk in love? Not Not God's. (laughs) And if it's not God's, it's either going to be one of the world or one of Satan's. So, anything that is not walking according to the love of God will not help us to walk in life dominated by our spirit or to learn how to walk in life dominated by our spirit or to learn how to graduate boot camp, so to speak. He who does not love does not know God. For God, as to His nature, is love. Verse 7 again, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves, loves according to this way, loves according to God's way. The world cannot love God's way. It cannot do it. It is strange to them. They have no idea what the love of God is like. And don't walk in it. They walk according to a natural human love. Now, some natural human love is better than other natural human love. There is some natural human love that is very selfish. There is some natural human love that is very giving. But that does not mean it is like God. You have to walk according to the, the way God is. It, it doesn't mean that it's like God. If It be like this what If you all have a favorite meal. I mean, you all can think of a favorite meal? And somebody comes up to you and says, Well, this is like it. This is like it. Someone was telling us the other day that, uh, was it, I think Brother Keith was telling us. Was it you? No, it was uh, Brother Lothar over at the men's breakfast. Telling us that he had uh, some, um, those large mushrooms. What do they call those? Portabella. Portabellas. Portabella. I'm not a mushroom eater, so I don't, <laughs> I don't memorize those names. And he said he was eating this portabella mushroom and the way somebody made it, it t- tasted like pork chop. <laughs> well, any mushroom that tastes like pork chop is still not a pork chop. if i'm going to have pork chops i want the real thing don't give me a mushroom that tastes like pork chops i want pork chops (laughs) and you know if you're going to go for steak if i'm going to go for steak i have a favorite steak there's i'm sure that all steak is good but but i have a favorite steak and my favorite steak is the ribeye if i have a choice between ribeye and any other steak in the world I will take the ribeye over it. It's also known as Delmonico. I think some people call it that. But um, Oh, that is just so good. You give me a menu and you have sirloin steak and you have T-bone steak and you have filet mignon and, and all nah, that. No, I'm looking for ribeye. Where's the ribeye? Because why in the world take anything else that I consider to be second or third best when I can have the best? And generally, ribeye isn't the most expensive one on the menu anyway. But I like it better than all of them. So if, if if other people use, well, I, I tasted this T-bone and it's almost like a ribeye. I don't care. I want the real thing. So this is the thing with, with natural human love. Sometimes we can look at it and say, oh, that is just about, that's almost like God's love, the way they walk. Well, almost like isn't. It's got to be God's love. It's got to walk according to God's way. And natural human love can manufacture some things that look like God's love. They can be nice, they can be kind, they can take some abuse and still be kind back. But sometimes people are loving that way in the natural because of fear. Sometimes the people will put I mean, I'm uh, counseling some women who stay in some relationships that are abusive. Why do you put up with that? Why do you stay with all that? And there's fear. There's fear of getting out of it. There's fear of what will be next. And so they put up with it. Well, that's not God's kind of love. That's not walking according to the nature of God. God doesn't walk that way. Don't have fear about it. You have to walk according to God's love. God's love does not have that in it. So natural human love, is an imitation. It's not the real thing. If you're cooking out there, how many of y'all know what it's like to cook baked cookies with real vanilla? And then there's imitation vanilla. You know why they use imitation vanilla? Go to the store and compare the prices. <laughs> Woo. Boy, that real vanilla will show you why people use imitation vanilla. Real, real, real quick. Mm. There's a difference between using real butter and margarine. Now, I generally, if I'm cooking or eating something, I'd rather just as soon have margarine over real butter. But in cookies, I don't know. I think real butter tastes better. <laughs> and so you know, there's some places where you can taste the imitation, and you don't like that. Don't take the imitation as far as God's love is concerned. You are not going to learn the nature of God by walking in an imitation. You will learn the nature of the imitation. You must learn how to walk according to God's love. Anything outside of the nature of God's love is going to build up your flesh. It's going to strengthen the hold of your flesh on you. Anything outside of God's nature will do this. So when he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. We are to love one another in the way that God did. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And in Jesus is the example. Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years, walking amongst men, being loved and then being hated, being abused, being rejected, being betrayed. And yet all the time on the cross, He never looked at what man did as a basis for what he did. He looked at the Father. The whole time he looked at the Father. He looked. Never one time did you see Jesus in prayer. Say, do you really think they're worth it? Do you really think we ought to do this for them? But look at what they're doing now. Never one time looked at what man was doing. Always looked to, to the Father. What do you want? What is your way? whole time. How many of you would have gotten your eyes off the Father. And would have gotten on what people were doing? I know I would have. Good thing I wasn't Jesus. Hmm. That's what we do. And we do that when we love each other. We get our eyes off of the Father. We get our eyes on people and what they do. How How they respond. What they say. Things of that nature. And we stop loving because God said so. Or because God's nature in us. And we start or stop loving because of what they say. What they do how they respond, whether they accept it, whether they don't. That's natural human love. Masked as God's love. And that will build up your flesh. See, the problem is so many Christians are walking this way. They build up, they reinforce that hold of the flesh, but all the time they think they're walking according to God. Never dawns on them that they're walking in the flesh. Therefore, they don't know the voice of God. And they can't be led by God because all they know is the voice of the flesh. And these are the people... Constantly, they will say, "Well, I think God told me this," and then two weeks later, God told them something else. There's just no, there's no stick to it with them. There's no stationariness. They don't, they're not stationary at all. They can be moved. They're swayed. Every time a storm comes, they're being moved, blown over here and blown over there. God cannot say something to them and then hang on to it. they will have to keep coming and reinforcing, keep coming and say, "Come on, keep going with it." Keep going with it. But that's not how we are to be. No one has ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Well, I guess we didn't get all your blanks on that one, did we? We get to know God by walking the way He walks. Feeling what He feels. Seeing what He sees. Reacting like He reacts. Too often we're reacting the way we want to react. We're seeing what we want to see. We're feeling what we think we should feel. What we've been taught to feel. But that's not walking in by the by the way of the Spirit. This is how we grow to be like him. To react like he reacts, to see what he sees, to feel what he feels. All right, verse twelve again. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. We'll turn over for a little while. We'll come back over here to 1 John. Turn over to John chapter 14. Look at some things that Jesus said. We're going to go all the way back to verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I would, I would have told you, excuse me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to Him, Lord, we do not know where you go, or where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. I'm sure that cleared it up for him. don't you? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am the Father. I'm sorry. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and the greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Then there's more stuff that he says after this that's all good, but he basically says in this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Even though over here, in John, when he's writing, he says no one has seen the Father. But the idea is that if you get the nature of God in you, you've seen the Father that way. You'll see the Father in other people. Other Christians that are walking this way. You'll see the Father. You can know the Father, you can see the Father. Though the day to come, the day is coming when we'll see him face to face. But for now, you can see the Father in the love that is in us. And that's the way that we ought to be going. Go back to 1 John 4 verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this We will have boldness in the day of judgment. And what does that mean? To have boldness in the day of judgment. How many of you have thought about coming before the throne of God? And are immediately reminded of the things you've done that have disappointed God. Things that you've done that are wrong. Sins that you've done. Disappointments you may have done for God. That is a wrong mentality. And as long as you maintain that mentality, you are maintaining the hold of the flesh on you. You cannot walk in the love of God and maintain that mentality. It is not a humble mentality. It is a wrong mentality. Because if God has told you to do something contrary to it, then to hold on to that is wrong. He says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment. How can you have boldness if you are timid because of your sins. If you're timid because you know of your disappointments. Why is a person bold or not bold? Confident. They're confident. They, they, they know. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in us. No? No? In Him. It's not in us. We are made the righteousness of God in Him. It's not our righteousness. The reason we have boldness in the day of judgment is because we know Him. And we know how sinless He was. Mm -hmm. And we know that the Word of God says that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Which means He took the sin for us. So what did we get? His righteousness, not ours. If you continue with the mentality of facing judgment, facing God with your righteousness, you will not be bold. You are approaching the throne of grace with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He already approached it with your sins. So if you have the mentality of coming before God with your sins, you have an anti-God mentality. And you are disbelieving the Word of God. Oh, that's just not right for me to just not, not be conscious of my sins. I mean, I've blown it. I've missed it. I've got to know all that so that I make sure I don't do it again. Turn over to Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge. To knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, are seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Ouch! As long as you want to hang on to your own righteousness, you are rejecting the righteousness of God. And you're in the class that Israel is in that Paul wants to see reconciled to God. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. What's the requirement? belief. Belief. That's all. Belief. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend in the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Any wondering in that? If you don't wonder about the outcome, aren't you bold? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If we want to have that boldness, we've got to have this belief in what the Word of God says. We approach the throne with the righteousness of Christ. How good is the righteousness of Christ? Every bit as good as we need, isn't it? So there should be no timidity with us. Because we know the work that Christ did was perfect. And, as long as we meditate on the righteousness of Christ that it is ours, then we can approach the throne with boldness. But what do we end up meditating on? our shortcomings, our failures, what I've done that isn't good, what I'm still doing, that isn't what it should be, how I'm still weak over here and not good over there, and all that oh, don't we always think about that? Oh, I wish I could grow here, oh, I wish I would knew this, oh I would. We're always looking and meditating on our inadequacies. And that does not produce boldness. If you're coaching for your high school team when you were in high school, your college team when you were in college, or if your kids are in school and you're in there and you come on to the fan side and you speak out with boldness about that team. Why? Because you believe in your kid. Because you believe in your school. You don't find too many that sit over there and meditate. Yeah, but we don't have this. Oh, but only if we had a player who could do this. Oh, if only we had a coach. No, what do you do? You meditate on the, on the good stuff and you come up to that line and you're bold. got to be just as good with, with the things of God. Be bold when you approach the throne of grace. Be bold. Not mindful of your inadequacies. Not my, oh, this thing must have come on me for something. I must have missed it somewhere, must have done something that this horrible thing would have come upon me. Oh, Father, forgive me for whatever it is that I've done. I'm sorry. Just reveal to me what it is and I'll take care of it. That's that's not a righteousness consciousness. How many times did Jesus pray over people? And they, uh, he came to and says, wait a minute, wait, hold it, hold on. You need to repent of this sin first. The only time he dealt with sin was with that paralytic that dropped down through the ceiling. (laughs) And he said to him, God didn't even say anything about his sin. He just said, Your sins are forgiven. Just let him know. It's all taken care of. Now get up! That we may have boldness the day of judgment. Because... As He is, so are we in this world. If we are as He is in this world, how much more are we going to be as He is in the next world? So when we approach that throne, we can be bold. If we can approach the throne in the day of judgment with boldness, and as He is, so are ye in this world, then why are we approaching God with such timidity now? Because of sin consciousness. Because I'm always mindful of my problems. Of my sins. Of the things I've done to let God down. I don't have a righteousness consciousness. I have a sin consciousness. That is not what God called us to. And I am walking in a contrary nature. And that's why your flesh still has hold of you. And yet we've wrapped ourselves around that because we think it's humble. I need to be humble before God and be mindful of my sin that I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, that's fine as long as you saw that you were a sinner saved by grace. But now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because we don't always do that. We're very quick to take on that mindset. I'm just a sinner. Because it's easy for us to get a hold of that one. That's not a problem. But to get your get your head around, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's harder. That's a harder thing to do. And so, how did you become sin conscious? You got convicted of your sins. And you keep meditating on those sins. How many times have you thought about your sins in the past week? Or the fact that you're a sinner. Or the fact that you aren't doing something that God wants you to do. Or that you're not where you ought to be. Or that you didn't read enough of the Word. Or didn't spend enough time in prayer. Or didn't do this, or didn't do that. <laughs> no, we've got to be mindful of, the, of these things. Because if we're not, then we start making requests and coming boldly before God. Father God, I thank You that Your Word has promised me this. And we begin to ask for those things. And then all the devil has to do is ignite on the inside of us sin consciousness. Yeah, but you missed it this morning. Yeah, but you haven't grown much over the last year. How do you think you can ask God something for yourself? You haven't been growing. Well, if there's something you need to do about growing, then grow. Get it going. You'll, you'll benefit by it. But he doesn't say anything about that. As far as that's, that part is concerned. Just meditate on the Word. Get the Word in you. So you're not getting the Word in you. If his words are a part of you, if you're a part of him and his words are in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done. But if you meditate on sin, if you meditate on sin consciousness, you're not meditate, you're not letting his word become a part of you. You're letting something else become a part of you. And the flesh is getting a stronger and stronger hold on you, and you don't even realize it. Love has been perfected among us in this That we have boldness in the day of judgment. Love has been perfected in us. How is that? What's love got to do with all this? Because if you don't understand the love of God that allows you to approach the throne of grace with boldness, then how can you walk in it? How can you walk in something you don't understand? Meditate on it. See yourself doing it. See God doing it we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. Well, that's not hard to understand, is it? Fear involves torment. There's a a bit of torment that's involved, with, and some folks like it. Some people actually like that sort of stuff. They like the little bit of torment that's going on. If they don't have something to worry about, they go get to other people's worries. They pick them up. They've got to have something to worry about. They're just constant worriers. They feel more at ease when they're worrying about something. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Some people like fear. I don't know about you, but I was I was young. I didn't know all the things in the Word of God I knew. I liked scary movies. And I liked haunted houses. Then I found out about the battle with the devil and the spiritual things are going on. And haunted houses no longer had a hold on me at all. In fact, I'd walk on through them and I, just, I couldn't get scared. Couldn't get scared of them. And, and, and movies, there's no reason to be afraid of anything. There's no reason to be fear. And the ones they're doing it anymore are just gory. And they're just so anti God, just the commercials turn me off. And it's not because they're scary, it's because, oh, that's anti God. Oh, that's awful. Oh, that's so much against the nature of God. Oh. And you get all. Messed up with that, you don't even want to see all that other stuff. Perfect love cast out fear. How many of you have a fear of what the economy is going to do? How many of you have a fear about what's going to happen with your job? A fear of what's going to happen with something in your family? A fear that's going to happen with something in your car? We can have all kinds of fears. Thinking all sorts of stuff that's coming along. Oh, but what if this happens? Well, what if it doesn't? Why do we sit there and think about all those things and, and, and such? Fear is just the absence of, uh, just as he says here, there is no fear in love, but for perfect love, cast out all fear because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment. You are being tormented by what happens. If this happens, then this could happen to me and this could happen to me and this could happen to me. You know, when I was growing up, I had no fear. I think I told you these stories. I had no fear. There was nothing that scared me. Now, that had some consequences. (laughs) But there's nothing that scared me. I'd climb any tree, scale any rock. I never thought of the consequences of what would happen if it didn't work. Just never thought of it. It's just, oh, let's climb that. Let's go up that. Just, let's go. There's no consequences. My mom drove her nuts, always thinking. She she had to get me to think. There's consequences to things. You've got to think down the road. Not thinking at all. Just going. Having fun. (laughs) You know, and you have to grow up, and you have to get a little bit wiser and all that sort of stuff, but I still don't like to have fear come on in. My wife and I used to have some battles with that, particularly with my son. Because I would go about life, and I didn't want him having fear, and she didn't want him doing some things, and who's going to win <laughs> mm. well i'm not I'm not going to pass on fear I don't want to pass on fear. other people want to pass on wisdom and and things like that of being cautious and such such things like that and I guess that's okay and and it, but I don't want to pass on anything that's going to cause fear. You do have to think some things through. You know, you don't want to just jump off a cliff and see what happens. <laughs> there are some areas that you have to know what the re- <laughs> result will be. <laughs> so, you know, there is a, a, a mix there. But just pe- sometimes people don't do things because of fear. Now, some people would say of me, well, you didn't do things because of stupidity or, stayed, or did things because of stupidity. That may have been. <laughs> but I guarantee you there was no fear involved in my decision. I'm just going to go. Fear involves torment. How many of you have been tormented staying up at nights over things? Over situations with people? Situations and jobs? Tormented on these things. Yeah, tormented by what people are saying about you. Tormented by what people think about you. I'll oh, get that out of there. Look at Jesus did he lose any sleep because of what people thought about him what people were saying about him no he just went on how about paul paul had people who said things about him didn't he didn't he didn't lose sleep over it don't lose sleep over it keep on going don't give yourself don't give in to fear and torment because perfect love casts out fear because if i understand perfect love and i understand god loves me that god has all ability and god has the love that he has for me what do I have to fear? No, again, when I was young, love ghost stories. Love ghost stories. I loved them so much. I mean, there all, I know, because I studied them when I was in high school, the ghost stories and the places that are haunted in this area. Oh, I wanted to be there at nighttime and wait and see what would happen. Oh, I wanted to be there in the worst way. You know, I didn't have a car for a long time, so I couldn't drive to too many places. But I could run to some, <laughs> and I could get there. I told you the story before. We had Sleepy Hollow Cemetery up by us. The famous Sleepy Hollow Cemetery was right where we went to college. In fact, right outside of our do- of our college is Sleepy Hollow Road. Comes right up to it. And so I st- I started this with the guys, and every Halloween at night time we would run through the old cemetery. (laughs) Every Halloween, we did it. Ran through the old cemetery. Ran in through the new cemetery. At the end of the new cemetery, there was a wall about 30 feet tall. And we'd scale it. Get all the way up to the top and then run from there. We'd run right down Sleepy Hollow Road at nighttime. It's no fun in the day. (laughs) We'd do it at nighttime. But you see, I couldn't even get scared over that because if anything showed up, I knew where it came from and I knew what to do with it by that point. It wasn't even scary. Just something to do. (laughs) But once you learn where all these evil spirits and things come from, there's no fear in that. Don't have fear in it. Take authority over them. You know, for me, it kind of took out some of the fun. Oh, man, now I can't even enjoy these ghost stories anymore. I know where they're coming from. I know what's doing them, and Oh, man, all the fun's gone out of that now. See, then show up, you just got to take authority over them in Jesus' name and get them out of there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There's still some areas where fear can set into me. Some areas fear can set into you. If we meditate on the wrong things, if I keep meditating on all the stuff that goes on in this country that our government is doing, that other governments are doing, I could get in fear. Real easy. Because there's stuff going on. I haven't talked you about all this stuff. And nor has the news covered it. It is amazing the the the, the way we have escalated the pace. We have escalated the pace at the end times. Oh, I'll tell you what. I know everybody's talking about 2012. I wonder if we can even make it that long. We're already talking about a, a one world currency. Now our president's all for it. Of course he would be. It seems that every president that has been coming in has been setting the stage for our country to move into this. And President Obama is setting a whole lot of things into, into this. President Bush did. President Clinton did before that. President Bush before that did as well. In fact, he even brought in some of the language. But, oh, it's... Now, I don't get scared about it because I know how it ends. <laughs> See, I'm looking forward to it again. I, I keep telling God, God, tomorrow. Come on. Just come on. I don't need to be down here any longer. Come on tomorrow. And I'm alright with that. You know? President Obama wants to, sp- wants to speed this thing up and get us going. Glory to God. Let's go. <laughs> Let's just get on out. Let them all suffer with what's, what's going on, what they're bringing this stuff into. Because it's not good. The things that, that, the, that our country, other countries are giving into, it is not good. There are... Al- al- Allegiances being formed right now that are scary. If you didn't know what the end result was. But we know what the end result is. And it's just, here's the Word of God. That's what God said. That's what's going to happen. So it's, it's going along. We don't have to get in fear of it. We don't have to get scared over it. It's God. God knew it was going to happen. God's not in it. Understand, the things that will overtake this world are anti-God. god they are not God, and God is not in them at all. But it is the thing that will usher in the tribulation. But what ushers in the tribulation, folks, is not God. God just told you how it was all going to come on in. He just told you what's coming up. But as God's not in it. God does not want it. God does not desire it. But here it comes. But we don't have to be afraid of it. Not even of this. You all know end times well enough. But you know how to recognize the things and and not be in fear. There is no fear in love. No fear. If you have fear of anything that is an area in your life, you are not walking in the love of God in. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. It's not just that fear is not in it. It casts it out. When perfect love comes in, it casts out fear. That's how you can tell when people are loving by human standards. Because you can love and be very giving, very loving and very giving in that way, but have fear. You can know they're, they're loving in the flesh. It's a flesh love because perfect love casts out fear. I don't have to be in fear of what you're saying about me. I don't have to be in fear of what you think about me. And you don't have to be in fear of what anybody else thinks or believes about you. Not at all. You come into a room and everybody gets quiet. <laughs> Some of you want to take a look around. Oh, who's in here? Who can I ask later on? What were they talking about? They were talking about me, weren't they? What were they saying? And perfect love casts out all fear. You, you can walk in there, y'all talking about me? That's all right. I'll leave so you can keep on going. <laughs> Yeah. Don't bother me, nothing. Go right on ahead. Just love them. Just keep on walking in that in that love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. We should not be tormented. Your sleep at night time should be perfect, should be sweet. You should not be messing with all that stuff unless God wakes you up. But then it's not out of torment; it's out of spiritual of spiritual calling. God is dealing with your spirit on something. They want you to pray on it. And you pray on it until you get the release on it. But it's a release. It's a spiritual release. It's not a freedom from torment. Some Christians don't recognize that. And they feel tormented and they think that's God telling them to pray. It isn't. God doesn't lead you by torment. He leads you by a prayer burden. I feel a need to pray in this. But that's not torment. And that's not fear. Don't walk in those things. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So we've got to walk in this, this area of love. If we are going to, to have the things of being dominated by our spirit and not dominated by our flesh, we will not have fear in anything. We said earlier, you may not have filled it in, but there's a sin consciousness and a righteousness consciousness. On that righteousness part, look over at Acts chapter 3 and verse 12. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, Why do you marvel at this or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man to walk? Stop trying to access God by your godliness. It's His godliness. It's His power. If you understand that, then you don't have any fear when you go into a situation like that and grab a guy by the hand. Philippians 4 and verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But this is how we are to approach Him. There should be no fear in your prayers. A prayer filled with fear is a prayer filled with doubt and unbelief. Cast out that stuff. It should not be there. When you approach God, it should prayers should be embodied in His love. When I pray, I should pray with the understanding of His love for me. If you pray outside of that understanding, you're going to be praying in doubt and unbelief. You don't need to do it. Stop trying to talk God into wanting to do something for you. That's a prayer of fear. I'm afraid he doesn't love me right now. I'm afraid he he won't take care of this for me right now. That's not approaching God with boldness. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about this world, about where this world is going, about the economy, about how much money is being spent, about how much money is being printed. Because we're printing a whole lot of money. We don't have it. And the Chinese aren't buying it anymore. So we're printing a whole lot of money. Be anxious for nothing. Except in the end times when people start printing money. <laughs> except in the end times when banks start to close. No, be anxious for nothing. Nothing. Over the last year, this is why this country has gotten in so much trouble is because of its anxiety. Because people have fed us things to be anxious for. I many of we were told, well, if we don't bail this out, if we don't do this, if we don't act now, this will happen. And that will happen. First bailout had happened last year, the previous administration. I many of we were told, if we don't do this, this and this will happen. Seems like those things happened anyway. Even though we spent all that money. Then we had the second bailout. If we don't do that, we're all going to fall apart. It looks like it's falling apart anyway. We're going to come up with a third bailout. Be anxious for nothing. Don't do things out of anxiety. Don't do things out of fear. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's always hard to mix in there, isn't it? It's easier to come before God and complain and moan and groan and tell Him how much you need this and all that sort of... But with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, if you walk in the love of God, which casts out all fear, aren't you walking in the peace of God? Wouldn't that be leaving God's peace left? That's where we ought to be. First Peter 5. Verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He most of the time cares for you. (laughs) Now, He cares for you, doesn't He? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It seems that if you get in this area of cares, anxiety that you put yourself in a place where He can devour you. Resist Him steadfast in the faith. How do you resist Him? Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the anxiety. Cast all your care upon Him knowing that He cares for you. Walk in the love of God. Resist Him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're not alone in this. You're not the only one who's faced this amongst neighbors, co-workers. Not the only one who's faced all these things. Other people are facing it now, have faced it in the past, and have overcome it. Don't get that idea. Now, I put another, in In other words, here. This might get it better for you. In other words, as far as what 1 John is talking about, in that latter part, verse 17 and on. In other words, this, I will not be in question of the outcome. Let me reiterate this part. If we're going to be made perfect in love, we will have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment. Imperfect love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. So, in other words, I will not be in question of the outcome when facing God. Satan, or the world. I will not be in question of the outcome when facing God, Satan, or the world. Whatever I'm facing, I don't question the outcome. If I face God, I know what the outcome is. First off, I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I know what the outcome is of that. If His words abide in me, and I abide in Him, I can ask whatever I will and have what I say. So I know the outcome of that. Anytime I'm facing God, I can know the outcome. Anytime I'm facing Satan, I can know the outcome. And anytime I face anything, it's in the world. It's neither of God nor of Satan. It's just one of those things that's of the world. I know the outcome of that too. And if I know that, there is no reason for fear and there is no reason for not having boldness. I'll be bold in the presence of God, bold in the presence of the devil, and bold in the presence of the world. Because I do not doubt the outcome. I know which way it goes. So of these, which of these three do you have the hardest time facing? God, Satan, or the world? Of those three, one of them, you're going to be a little weaker than the other. You're going to need to get some work on it. And yeah, you can be weaker in facing God. You can say, well, I know I've beaten the devil, so whatever he shows up there to me. I know I've gotten that down, but boy, I tell you, sometimes approaching God, I just don't know if I have this thing. So you got a little bit of weakness there. You can work on it. To get stronger in that area, meditate on the Word that speaks to it. Just meditate. Find Word that's on that. If you're having a hard time facing God, meditate on, on the Word of God that speaks to your righteousness in Him. Speaks about your relationship with God. Speaks about His love for you. Just keep going over it. Mull over it. Meditate on it. Keep going over it, and over it and over it. My God loves me. He loves me. He gave Himself up for me. He loved me first when I hated Him, when I didn't walk in according to His way. He loved me before I was even born. He loved me. Therefore, if He loved me before I was even born, loved me when I was walking in sin, then sure enough, He's going to keep on loving me now. Just keep meditating on that. Keep thinking on those things. But instead, we're thinking on things of, well, maybe I pushed God too far this time. Maybe I've just been too slow in getting along with, in, with the things I should be getting along with. Maybe I'm just not doing enough over here. Oh, maybe I, I know I missed it over there. Oh, I shouldn't have missed that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. See, you're meditating on those kind of things, you become sin conscious. And you focus on those kind of things. No, we've got to be righteousness conscious. And if I allow myself to become sin conscious, then every time the devil wants to attack me in that area with God, he just keeps throwing out sins. He just keeps throwing out failures. He just keeps throwing out inadequacies in your spiritual walk. And He can mess up your prayer life. Mess up your praise life. Mess up all that sort of stuff. And you don't line up with what the Word of God says. You're not going there casting all your care on Him because He cares for you. You're not coming before God making your requests known unto Him with thanksgiving. You're making your requests known unto Him with fear, trembling, grumbling, and complaining. Wondering, well, I wonder if I'll get this. I wonder if God will come through for me on this one. There's no confidence at all in it. And you're dominated by your flesh. And you keep thinking, well, I'm going in the way of the Spirit. I'm going in the way of developing. my." No, you're not. You're going in the way of developing your flesh. It just looks spiritual. See, Pharisees knew how to develop their flesh and make it look spiritual. They did a real good job. Look, they had everybody else faked out. Everybody else thought, oh, man, you are just one spiritual person. Look at you. Look at the things you're doing in your prayer life. Look at the things you do all the time you read the Word. Look at how much Word you've memorized. Oh, wow, you must be pretty spiritual. (laughs) They mastered the art of walking in the flesh while making it appear spiritual. So you can do that. But don't bother. It isn't going to help you out at all. You want to walk in the realm of the Spirit. You want to be dominated by your Spirit. And if you're going to be dominated by your Spirit, you're going to be dominated by His love. You're going to walk in this life the way He did. Walk in this life the way He did. Keep on going in His way. Recognize His love. Recognize when it's not His love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Get all that stuff out. There should be nothing you need to be in fear of. Yeah, but what if this happens? What if it does? See, getting rid of fear does not mean you get rid of the outcome. It means you get rid of the fear of that outcome. That happens... Well, then my God will come through with that. What if you do lose your job? Maybe there's a better one out there for you. Focus on those kind of things. Don't worry, don't don't fret. Don't be messing with all that sort of stuff. Go after God. Stay on his way. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as long as we keep walking in the way of love, we keep developing that way. We can cast that all fear. We can remove the hold of the flesh on us. We can have boldness in the day of judgment and boldness before you even here on this earth. We don't ever have to wonder. We can know. We can know what the outcome is. And we can know the outcome whether we face you, Satan, or the world. We can know what's coming. And I thank you, Father, for that knowledge. I thank you that we don't wonder what we know.